Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Hey, we're entering into a series called You've Got Mail. It's a reference to like, I don't know, the 80s or something, the way they used to get email like old people did. Like email would come to your computer and the computer would go, you've got mail. Have you ever heard of that? Is that like a thing? Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. The, the idea is that we're getting a letter. And there's some, some of these New Testament books in the Bible are just one chapter letters that Paul or someone was writing to teach something that was character gold, that was spirit gold. And so tonight we're talking about forgiveness, some of that spirit gold. And uh, speaking of forgiveness and th- speaking of like bitterness and all that stuff, any of you have like sweet scars? Do you have like cool stars, like road rash scars or something like that? You have some of those? I'm going to tell you about one of mine. This, uh, how I got this scar. Yeah. Okay, first of all, a few things to notice. That round face, very good in photos. But also that, that necktie. Yeah, yeah. That's just, a good, that's just a good Nebraska boy right there. So that scar comes from running across your grandpa's farm trying to beat your older sister to lunch and not realizing there's a barbed wire fence that's about to clothesline you. And so you could hear the barbed wire like scrape against my skull. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding, I blacked out. Um, but, but I woke up, <laughs> I woke up and it was just blood. That's all I remember. That was, that was one of my first scars. But here's the thing about that scar. It's, it doesn't hurt anymore, like the wound's healed. You know, it hurt a ton at the time. The wound bled a lot. Any of you have ever cut your head open? bleeds a lot, but it doesn't bleed anymore. It, it doesn't hurt. It's a part of my face. It's a part of my story, but it doesn't bring me pain anymore. It's, it's, it's fine. Here's my second uh, scar story. This is a good one. Um, I'm not a risk taker, but when you put me on a bike, I am stinking. Uh, yeah, I'm stuntman supreme. So this is me riding my bike. Yeah, like seven years old or something out at the, out at the skate park, right? So I got this BMX bike when I was little. You, you can see, like, the second I get on a bike, I want to go as fast as I can. I want to jump everything that I can, and I want to do as wheelie as far as I can. Anybody like that? Like, anytime you're on a bike, it's a challenge. It's not for a ride. Yeah, you can tell by the airtime I got going up that ramp. So, so I'm, I'm in St. Labore, growing up in St. Labore, there's not a whole lot to do. So me and my buddy, Jake Price, we decided we're going to go ramp the railroad tracks. Like that's what people do, right? And so, and so we took my bike, I had my BMX bike, and I clear this thing all the time. And so I wind up, I'm rolling at it, I flip, I'm doing a backflip, tail whip, bar spin, and I like, no, nah, I didn't do that. But then I landed, and so what happened was on my pedal, there's like these little metal prongs that keep your shoe on the pedal. But when your foot slips off the pedal and that slaps up against your shin, it becomes a knife. And so, and so what happened was that little, that little piece of metal went straight into my shin and then like accordioned my skin up. <laughs> and I looked down at my shin and I went, I think I got to go home. <laughs> it was not good. Not good. But hey, here's the deal. This scar, it doesn't hurt anymore. I would show it to you, but you probably can't see it. It's not bleeding. It's a, it was a wound at one time, and it, and it bled a lot. But it's a scar now, and, the, and like the pain's gone. It's a part of my story. It's a part of my body. It's like a part of me, but it doesn't hurt anymore. What I want you to see tonight is that unforgiveness in your heart is this bitterness in your heart is like a wound that is continually putting pain in your life, that is gushing in your life, And until that wound heals, 
The only thing that can heal it is forgiveness. I want you to see that tonight. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for what you're teaching me. Um, you are the authority. I am not. I am just a man. I'm just getting to share with my friends what you're teaching me. I pray for these students that they would be able to pay attention, that they would be able to tune in, that they would be able to be honest and, and vulnerable with their hearts. God, bitterness is a painful, painful thing. Forgiveness can be a painful, painful thing because we remember all the things that hurt us. And so tonight, I pray that we step into trust with you with this vulnerable thing. It's in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna start in sort of a painful place tonight. Um, some of you, most of us in this room, have gone through a friend fallout. And you know what that is. Like, you had this person that you trusted really deeply. You had this person that um, you did everything with. You had this person that you said you were gonna grow old and be grandma and grandpas together and sit on the porch and do all these things, right? Uh, but then something happened. Something happened and you fell apart. And uh, whether it was like they thought something was one way, you thought it was the other, whether they started liking someone you liked or whether it was they sent some text or they posted something on social media and now that friend fallout is just this huge pain in your life. And there's bitterness there and there's unforgiveness there, maybe. All of us have gone through a friend fallout and feel the pain that's happening there. That's the context for us reading this scripture tonight. Someone who was trusted created a wound for someone. Someone who was trusted brought pain to someone's life by leaving them. And I want you to see what happens through this letter. Tonight we're in Philemon. You can go and, and find it. It's right before Hebrews, but I got it up on the screen too. We're going to start at the beginning of the letter. I want to tell you a few things, and then I want to lead you through this tonight. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Epiphanes, our sister, and uh, our fellow, so I wasn't even going to try on those, uh, and to church that meets in your home. So he's writing to a fellow church worker. He's, he's writing to someone who's doing ministry. He's, he's writing to someone who follows Jesus. That's a good, that's an important context of this letter. Grace and peace to you. It goes on. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. He's basically bringing up in Father Lehman's heart, like, hey, you know that love that you have? And you know that love that you give to people? I need you to lean into that love right now because I'm about to have something that might feel like salt in the wound. Salt in the wound of unforgiveness and bitterness. And here it comes. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you what to do, what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. He's saying, I'm not gonna force you to do anything, nor am I gonna force this other person to do anything but this relationship is so important to me that I gotta bring this to you and we gotta remember the love that we share in Christ Jesus. He says, it's no one other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus that I appeal to you. He's, he's a trusted third party, okay? He's saying, you know me, you trust me. I'm bringing you something painful. And here it is, it's the name Onesimus. And in, and in his heart, when Philemon's reading this letter, his gut would have turned right there because that's someone who betrayed him. That's someone who walked away from him. That's someone who left him, probably cost him a lot of time, cost him a lot of money. 
and his gut probably turned a little bit. And he says, who became my son while I was in chains, saying, I'm his spiritual father now. This guy has changed. He's accepted the Lord. He heard the gospel, and he's a different person. And, and if you don't trust him, trust me on this. Formerly, he was useless to you. Maybe he wasn't a good friend. Maybe he wasn't a good servant. Maybe he wasn't a good worker, good slave. But now, he says, he's useful to both you and I. That means he's got some new value. He's got some, something to bring to the table in his belief. It goes on, I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that I could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not be forced but would be voluntary. He's saying, Paul isn't forcing Onesimus to go back to Philemon. Because one, he's in chains. He's in jail. He can't do anything about it. Two, he said, I would rather Onesimus stay here because he is so useful to me in the ministry that I'm doing. But here's what we see is that Paul puts such a priority on this relationship being restored that he says, he's going to come back to you. I'm going to send him. Not that I don't need him here because I desperately need him here, but because this relationship is so important and I will, I will attack bitterness at every chance I get and let forgiveness reign in this because of our faith. And I, I want this to be voluntary for you. I want this to be out of love for you. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a while was that you might have him back forever. Maybe the reason your friendship fell apart is for greater healing, is for greater relationship. Maybe there's some purpose there that you don't see. You could have him back, not as a slave, but as something better, a dear brother, a fellow child of God a fellow child of God, a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. This is how, how much of an endorsement Paul is giving to this Onesimus who hurt Philemon so much. As he says, you can prepare a place in your home as if I am coming there. And Philemon definitely trusted Paul in this situation. So that's a heavy, heavy, strong endorsement of this relationship. I, Paul, am writing you with my own hand. I'll pay it back. If he's done anything wrong, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. This is such a mirror of Jesus in our life who went to God and says, this relationship's so important. This forgiveness is so important to me that I want this to be restored. I'm gonna send them to you, God, and I'll pay their price on the cross. I'll pay for the punishment they deserve so that they can come back to you. This is what Paul is saying. The gospel is loud and clear here. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. This is important to understand that when you, when you receive someone back, when you give forgiveness, that you also have things that need to be forgiven. Or if you have someone that comes into your life that owes you something, you have to remember that you owe someone else something. I do wish, brother, that I may have some sort of benefit in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience. I know you'll do even more than I ask. And then he says some farewells. Tonight I want you to see the bitterness. Bitterness is like, it's like plaque that builds up in an artery that leads to a heart attack, metaphorically, for us. Unforgiveness is bitterness. It is a bitterness that is like a cancer in our soul that makes you very sick and makes you do things that you otherwise would not do. Bitterness is a very, very harsh thing that pushes you out of the destiny that you should have as a child of God. It robs you of your destiny. 
There's no greater example than this than Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament chasing after David. See, King Saul was the king at the time, but he was super jealous, angry, and bitter at this David guy who had been anointed to be the next king. And so instead of being a king, enjoying being a king, taking care of his kingdom and making things right with God, he spent his entire life chasing David through a desert to kill him. Do you see how bitterness robbed him of his whole entire life? That he would rather chase someone through a desert to kill them than to enjoy being a king. What is bitterness leading you to do in your life? What deserts is bitterness pushing you through? What deserts is bitterness pushing you through? You walking into school with pain in your heart every step. You seeing their face again and feeling like you're dying inside that bitterness. You going home and wishing it could be a place of rest and peace. But it's not. That bitterness is like a cancer in our souls. Here's a test. Here's a test for you. To see where your bitterness lies. I want you to imagine the person that if there were no consequences for your actions, you would go hurt right now. You would hurt them emotionally. You would embarrass them. You would humiliate them without consequence. Do you have the person? That's where your bitterness is. That's where your unforgiveness is. That's where your cancer of your soul is. What would it be like if we could get rid of that? Unforgiveness is like this bitterness cancer that's on our souls. And forgiveness is like a scalpel that can surgically remove that cancer. But if it's not removed, it'll lead to us bleeding out. It'll lead to us being killed by this. Our entire lives being robbed by it. You have two perspectives tonight that give you two options. The first is when we have done wrong, we need to fix it. The second is when we've been wronged, we need to forgive. And we need to let it go. And both are extremely difficult. So let's take the first perspective. Here's Onesimus. He's done wrong. He's created pain in someone's life. And he's got two options. Either he's going to fix it or he won't. And let's look at the he won't option. First of all, he's run from everything he loved, his home, his family, his friends. And he's run away to disappear in what was at the time the biggest city on the planet. It wasn't a vacation. He was hiding. He was lost. He was just wandering down dirt roads of life, the deserts. Leading nowhere. And maybe that's you here tonight. Maybe you know you've done wrong. And you're thinking about it right now. The pain you've brought to someone's life. Are you willing to fix it? Or are you going to keep running from it? Are you going to keep getting lost? Are you going to keep wandering? What about the he will fix it option? Apparently he is willing to do something about this. I pray you are as well. Not knowing how the situation will turn out, Paul is writing this letter and he's heading back to someone who in this day and age had every right to kill him. 
but he's going back and he's going to fix it. And in that moment, he's moving into the faith that he now has. He's a changed person. And listen, when we're talking about forgiveness and someone coming back in to fix something, I need you to hear something. Forgiveness is freely given. It's freely given. Trust is earned, right? I'm not suggesting that you let a person who hasn't repented or, or, or changed right back into a hurtful situation. That's not what I'm suggesting. Forgiveness is freely given. Trust is built, okay? So here's Onesimus moving back in to fix it. Moving in, leaning into his faith and moving back towards Philemon. And hearing the gospel and changing his life from Paul, he might have heard the story from Matthew 5 where Jesus was preaching and he said, listen, if you think you're going to come in here into this church and talk about forgiveness and talk about me making right of your life, but you know you've wronged a brother or a sister, you need to leave and go make that right. And then you can come back here and we can talk about forgiveness and fixing things. Do you see that? Because it's as if you walk into church and instead of hands open forgiveness, I will receive it, I will give it. You are going like this. And you are double-fisted towards God in opposition of the gospel and everything the gospel is, and that's loving your brother and loving your sister. And in the next paragraph, he says, if someone's taking you to court and they got charges against you, they have evidence, you have clearly done wrong in someone's life. Fix it. Fix it on the way. How does that apply to your life? You're on the way to the principal's office with the kid you've been fighting with. You're the reason the fights have been happening. Fix it. Fix it before you get to the office. That's stepping into love. That's healing wounds. That's letting scars not hold pain anymore. Second perspective. Philemon. He has been wronged and is now in the place to forgive. Here's the painful stuff. Going and fixing it is more awkward than it is painful. Walking up to someone and saying, hey, I know what I did. And I'm sorry. And I won't do it again. That's just more awkward than it is painful. It just hurts your pride. Here's the painful stuff. Forgiving. Philemon has two options. Either he will or he won't. Let's talk about he won't. Let's talk about the bitterness that eats away at your soul, that controls your life, that pushes you into deserts you otherwise wouldn't go in. You have forfeited the life that you could have as a child of God, and instead you are chasing someone through the desert. You know what that looks like? That looks like you walking into this room and going, yeah, I'll sing. I'll play the church game, but I'm not forgiving them. That's bitterness. You walking the small group and saying, oh, I'll talk about how Jesus loves me, but I'm going to give them that dirty look on the way. I'm going to look them right in the eye. And I'm going to give them that dirty look. That's bitterness. Or you're saying, yeah, yeah, they, they for, I, I've forgiven, they've apologized, yeah, but I'm going to make this part of their life so painful. I'm going to make it as painful as possible to get back at them. If you think you're in control of that life, that's pathetic because bitterness is in control of that life. 
and you are chasing a man or a woman through the desert to a dead end of pain. Bitterness will make us do things and completely forfeit our destiny. Option two, he will forgive. He will forgive. This would be Philemon leaning into his faith that he says he has. Looking at the gospel he says he believes in that is all about forgiveness. Looking at that situation and saying, I forgive you. I have let you go from this. I was working on this message and I was reading through things and I was going through my rooted homework, that's this discipleship experience that our church goes through and I came across this story that we all have probably heard, a lot of us have heard if you haven't, it's a story about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. It was the night he was gonna be arrested, it was the night before he was gonna be ripped to shreds on a cross and he stands up and he starts to wash the feet of these people he's been walking with. Even though one of them is about to betray him and give him over to the people who's going to kill him for a few silver coins, he washes his feet too. Could you imagine? And what's happening when he's washing feet? Imagine the feet in this day and age, sandals on a dirt road. They're filthy. But not only that, they probably have wounds. They're dry from the desert. They've cracked. And he's washing these wounds so that they would heal. Washing these wounds so they wouldn't have pain anymore, so that they would just become scars and that they could move on. And at the end, they go, what are you doing? Why, why would you do this? This is embarrassing. Why would you do this? And he goes, I have loved you to the very end. I've loved you to the very end. I've washed your feet. Now go wash other people's feet. I've helped heal your wounds. Now go help heal other people's wounds. Let them become scars that don't give pain anymore. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And you might be sitting here tonight asking, okay, so how do I forgive? It's a very valid question. I came with three options for you. I'm not saying there are the, all of the options. I'm saying here's three for you. One, you can pray. And I'm not talking like a stereotypical half-hearted, like, Jesus, thank you for my food and help me forgive, amen. I'm talking about heart deep, prepare yourself, move into a prayer and say, Lord, I am broken. And maybe you don't do it alone. Maybe you go to your small group tonight. You don't bring up a name because this isn't about your pride. This isn't about hurting someone. This isn't about gossip. This is about your wounds healing so they won't bleed anymore. And you go to your group and you say, someone has hurt me very bad. And I need to let them go because I want this wound to be done giving me pain. And your small group prays with you. Option two. This is the scarier. Face to face. And you go to that person, probably one-on-one, -on -one because this isn't about making a show. This isn't about your pride. This isn't about manipulation. This is about forgiveness. And you walk up to them and you say, you've hurt me. You've hurt me. And whether you know it or not, it's okay. 
I'm letting you go. Out of faith in Jesus, I'm letting you go from that. And I'm forgiving you. And listen, it doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth next. It doesn't matter if they forgive you back. That doesn't matter if they smile. It doesn't matter if they spit at you. Because that moment was for your soul to get rid of the cancer. That moment was for your soul to reconnect with the gospel of the saving Jesus Christ for you to go, I'm free of that. Praise God. Do you see that? Option three. Here's the deep wounds. Something, something evil has happened in your life. Or there has been abuse. Or the person that has hurt you is dead. Or far gone. How do you forgive? There's this moment in Romans chapter 12 that has gotten me through so much in life. And it's a, it's a word that says, don't worry about revenge. Don't worry about avenging it. Don't worry about fighting back. God says, that's mine to repay. I, I will repay. I will avenge it. And it's as if he picks us up like we're toddlers. Some kid's been picking on us and he picks us up and he goes, don't worry, I saw it. Don't worry. You can go play. I'll take care of this. And we get to go play and he goes, this is mine to deal with. Do you see how that is forgiveness to you? You're letting go. You're putting it into the hands of God now. Justice will come. And he doesn't forget what's done to his children. He doesn't forget. I hope you see the gospel so loud and clear in this tonight. That you see it in Paul saying, I'm going to send this guy back. I'm going to pay his debt so that this forgiveness can happen, so that these wounds can be healed, so that this bitterness would be removed. Do you feel the pain of bitterness tonight? Do you feel that? It can be healed. Don't you see that the wounds of Jesus, his death was violent. He was torn to shreds. That the wounds of Jesus were taken on to heal your wounds. That the scars of Jesus, the holes in his hands, that those scars now tell a story of forgiveness. Just as your scars will now tell a story of forgiveness. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lean in and I want you to close your eyes. There comes a time in our lives where we can no longer be slaves to bitterness. We can no longer be slaves to the deserts we are running to. We cannot be afraid of that. Don't you see that forgiveness sets us free to be the children of God we were meant to be? That we can return to a life that's free. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.